I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. to the Mad Max Minute, where we remember that not all who wander are lost in Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 114, which begins with the philosophical musings of the first history man, and it ends with financial controller Alistair Jenkins. Wrapping up the week and the movie with us are everyone's favorite Mad Max Fury Road podcasters. It's Yuri Lowenthal and Travis Sentel from the You Are Awaited podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having us again. And the, the only Mad Max Free Road podcasters, I think is what you neglected to say, but, <laughs> well, we'll take but, but we all know. We all know who we're talking the about The best here. and the worst, your favorite and least favorite, right here, live. All there. rolled into one. You're like several slices of a Venn diagram all rolled together into a beautiful pinata ball. It's No wow. one's ever given me a nicer compliment in my life. I, I, I feel like I should kiss seriously. you right now. That's beautiful. <laughs> Uh, I know you guys have questions, and we have questions for you, so I don't know how you want to run this, but man, man, do I have questions for the two of you. All right, well, first and foremost, we need to catch up, because we haven't yes. talked to you guys since Road Warrior, and given how, oh, well, how Thunderdome Thunderdome was, and how insane the entirety of this movie was, how have you guys been? Great. It's, 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 it's nice to sort of jump back into the world of this film, because we, you know, stepped away, and uh, strangely enough... Uh, Travis and I are both going to see uh, Fury Road at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Uh, they're screening it outdoors uh, in just a couple of days. Right? Oh, nice. Yeah. This yeah. is our warm up for going back into the universe. Yeah. Although I will say when we watched the minute, which, you know, was just basically the music in a, a list of, of people we got to meet along the way. Yep. It was really invigorating and we were drumming in the air and hugging each other and gallivanting and, you know, spraying our face with, with silver paint. It was great. It's, yeah. It's been a while since you posted something in the feed for You Are Awaited. I didn't go back. I know I'm supposed to be good and do my homework. You haven't missed anything. <laughs> but did you actually reach the 52 episode mark that you were shooting for? We did. We did. Awesome. We did it. We did a we year did. on the Fury Road. <laughs> a year on the Fury Road. <laughs> Many of the, uh, the, the names that pop up in this minute uh, were, were guests uh, on our show. We were, we, were, we were happy to remember as we were... We were going through there. We're like, oh, right. That, and that guy and that guy. And that guy, we stalked at a screening and asked him to come to his office. That was cool. <laughs> it was a trip down to the, the benefits of uh, being living in Los Angeles. Being in the right place at the right time sort of situation. And yeah. being shameless also helps. That, that too. <laughs> yeah, the best we got is emailing. We email a lot. Yep. Well, yep. Okay, I would argue the best we've had so far was talking to Mark right in week one. Oh, yeah, and he just fell in our lap voluntarily. Was it Mark Mangini? Who was it? Or Mark Sexton. Mark Sexton. Mark Sexton. Mark Sexton. Yeah, that guy. He's great. I love that Mark guy. Mark Sexton yeah. was the first person to wish me a happy birthday this year in the world because of his oh. time zone. Oh, very nice. nice. Very sweet. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think I remembered. Happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. okay, sorry, I forgot. Months ago. It doesn't matter. Mark has been a lot of fun to have in the listener group because aside from people like Shem Herman and Melvin Zed, who are just the fans that have taken hours and days and weeks out of their lives to focus on Mad Max. Mark will come in and he'll just 
validate something or confirm something or say, oh, wow, Rick, that's a really interesting way of thinking at it, which is his, I'm sure, veiled way of saying, wow, that is a whole load of nonsense and he should <laughs> not repeat that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yep, that's Mark. He's the nicest man alive. Like, that's just yeah. the, what it comes down to, which is not what you'd expect given the, um, I don't know, the timber tone and, and gore of the film, but he's just mm -hmm. a gentle, wonderful soul. So that's one of the great things uh, about doing podcasts. You get to meet wonderful people and, yeah. and get to maintain relationships with people you admire and respect and, you know, hopefully they become your friends at some point. Yeah. yeah. It's fun to text back and forth with Mark sometimes, and he'll talk about sitting at his desk and looking across the room at George Miller and how he will sit him down and have him listen to episodes of the podcast to give us feedback on what George Miller thinks about us. And it just gives us no end of anxiety to think about. <laughs> no, oh, I'm not sure. anxiety, nerd I'm boner. Sure. Just a pure nerd boner, man. That's not anxiety. <laughs> That's excitement. That's great. That's great. If he does maybe, it more maybe than once, it means he likes it. If he did it one time and never again, then George would think these guys are jokers, whatever. But if George does it twice, I bet you it means he thinks there's look, some sort look, of value. Mark, look, Mark's never told us stories about him playing episodes of our podcast for George Miller, so you're doing something right. Yeah, Mark, what's up, dude? What's up with that? That's Mark right, Sexton. Mark Sexton. And anything that anything to inspire George Miller to make another Mad Max movie, which Seriously. you know is looking like less and less uh, uh, likely at you know any given moment. I mean, it's been. As we're recording this, four years. When we first started recording, we were sure that by the time we got to the end of Fury Road, we would be ready to just roll right into a new movie. You're and the Game of Thrones <laughs> of, <laughs> yeah. of podcasting here. <laughs> right, you've, you've, you've yeah, killed it. Sure. You've outpaced your source material, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're going to have to riff it from here, and good luck figuring out a final season. Do we need to just make up our own new movie? All right. Given how the end of Game of Thrones went, and I can confidently say this because this episode is coming out in December. So if you yes. haven't seen Game of Thrones by now, I know I've said this before, but if you haven't seen it by now, oh, well, I'm sorry. But given how the seasons of Game of Thrones that outpaced the book went, I would caution us against doing our own Mad Max movie and breaking that down minute by minute. I agree, although Yuri and I are thinking about a new podcast where we break down minute by minute the new uh, Mad Max movie that doesn't exist yet, and just giving our take on it. So we think it might be oh, great. It might be great. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of I'm that, I'm sort show. of not even joking about that as I'm thinking about it. I think, you just, so I think you just started. I think you just created our next podcast. All right, there you go. You heard it here I'd first. love that idea. You know what? You guys do that, and then maybe like two, three years after you're done with that, we'll come in and do the exact same material. Yes, but like yeah. way more picky. <laughs> I, I love, I love where this is going. Yeah, yeah. I have been spending quite a while over the course of this season listening to your episodes bit by bit, and every so often I'll come in with some sort of observation that you guys made that we completely missed, and I am kind of attributing that to like missing the forest for the trees. Like we're right in the thick of it in the underbrush mm -hmm. and you guys are taking that more zoomed out look at things so i yeah. love that there are these two sources that people can go to no it makes us happy too i mean the more people can think about that movie the better the world is probably just because there's so much to think about yeah and 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 i would I, I imagine you guys at this point agree that that this movie holds up to that level of scrutiny you know to a minute by minute absolutely it really does yeah yeah i think we could probably start the movie over and come up with new content. Yeah. 
Well, that was my question for you, and I'd love to hear, I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit about how the year's been for you. I, I know it's less interesting to listeners because they've been on that journey with you, but you know, we're curious um, to hear more. But I remember when we got to this minute of the film, for us it was this four-minute film, there was this deep sense of like nostalgia already sitting in and a sort of sadness, a deep sort of sadness that that sort of journey was over for us, and, and also a sense of completion. And, and the movie leaves you feeling like you've done something or been somewhere, been through something. How are you feeling about coming to this phase of the process? That's kind of a tough question. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling relieved. It's been a long three years that we've been working on Mad Max. But at the same time, it's been three years that Mad Max has been part of our daily lives. We think about Mad Max every single day in one aspect or another, whether it's preparing to podcast, whether it's editing, whether it's doing social media. So... That's all going to end. Yeah. What are you and what are you going to do with your lives now? I don't empty, know. Empty lives. <laughs> I'm going to take more naps. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Rick is not stopping. He already has a project lined up. Oh yeah. Of course he does. There's that whole yeah. extra project that I've probably mentioned before. I don't think I need to get into it on air, but aside from like main feed stuff, we've still got Patreon stuff that's coming out all through the end of this season and then we're actually going to be doing a couple of more hiatus style episodes after the season ends watching some movies that we didn't quite get to Mm -hmm. in between Mm -hmm. the gaps of the other three so i mean there will be a bit more mad max minute just not on mad max specifically in the main feed and the patreon feed is just me reading the books yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Two, two, two things that that we, you know, Patreon and social media are things that we definitely did not do. That uh, also three that things. Been... <laughs> edit, edit, editing, editing our show. That's another thing. Yeah, I think or that's the most sense. time consuming. I think we spend sure way more time editing than researching and prepping and recording put together. Well, well definitely yeah. more than researching. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we can well, speak. We can, yeah, right. <laughs> we're definitely with you there. <laughs> yeah. There's something about epic films. Like when you finish the Lord of the Rings trilogy, you come in to the Shire and you feel like you've been somewhere and you feel like you as a viewer have changed. You're a different person after that journey than you were. And I think that, you know, Star Wars Men, I guess, kicked off this sort of format unless I'm missing someone and miscrediting this. But I don't think Star Wars has the same sense of of journey and and fundamental personal change. That Certainly not I, these days. Yeah, these days for sure. But like... You know, Lord of the Rings, and I would argue Mad Max has that. So I think you're in a pretty unique situation to talk about, like, the the staying power and fundamental changing uh, journeyman power of Mad Max. So I'm just interested by that journey you guys have been on. It seems pretty cool. It definitely feels like a journey. And I feel a lot of sympathy for the quote that we see popping up at the beginning of this minute, the whole... Where must we go? We who wander this wasteland in search of our better selves. And I feel like if you change a few words around, like, where must we go? We who podcast on the Internet in search of good content. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. like Julia said, since 2017, January 2017, we've been doing this podcast, releasing mm-hmm. episodes three to five times a week, not including hiatus stuff. And if I didn't have a roadmap that I had written up, Months ago, I would feel very lost right now. Interesting. Yeah. What was the, the date of your first episode? When did you guys begin? When did you start? I'm only asking because it's been going three years and I've had a project going for three years. And I'm curious to see exactly how closely they line up. Our first episode dropped January 30th, 2017. 
2017. We did five episodes a week for Mad Max and mm-hmm. Road Warrior. Yep. And right. then we switched formats in 2018. So my son is only slightly older than your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, that was my project. Wow. Yeah, it's weird to think that the You Are Awaited podcast was technically running while we were doing other content. Really? Mm-hmm. We overlapped a little? I think so. I hope that's sounds true. About, it sounds that sounds right. We have no sense of time. We're right. old and uh, confused and de- uh, decrepit, so we don't know if that's true or not. It could be. It could be true. Yeah, because the latest episode of You Are Awaited dropped on February twenty third, twenty seventeen. Okay, so, so we overlapped by like a month. Well, if we had only known then, right, we could have been done like a whole year sooner. <laughs> well, I mean, if Yuri and Travis have already done it, I guess we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> we covered it all, you guys. We covered it all. Now, I have a quick question for you guys. Going back and watching Mad Max Fury Road and doing it four minutes at a time, I know that you've mentioned it on the podcast, but have you ever had the deep yearning to really go through minute by minute, like do what we did? I don't know if I felt the yearning to do that because of what we did. But I definitely think, you know, and thought as we were going through four minutes at a time, if we had really considered at the beginning, we could have done it minute by minute. We definitely realized that, and as I was mentioning before, you know, it, it definitely holds up to that kind of drill down, you know, scrutiny. And I mean, the world is so beautifully created and, and mapped. Like, like many of the things in our life, it was a distinctly unconsidered decision on our part. <laughs> where we just, said, we just said to ourselves, you know, I want to hang out with you more often. And Yuri's like, yeah, it'd be fun to hang out with you. And we went to see Mad Max. Yuri's like, you like this movie? Come see it in the theater with me. I went. And we're like, we should. We, we just found ourselves talking about it a lot. And we just arbitrarily picked four minutes as something we thought, well, you know, if it, if it doesn't hold up that well, then we can, you know, scrap this idea. But four minutes gives us enough, we think, to talk about for an hour. Uh, and I would say off air within within like three or four episodes, we stop the recording. And we go, well, four minutes is is it, it's too much. We need to do two <laughs> minutes or three minutes or maybe even one minute. Like we realized that pretty quickly. I remember us having that conversation and going, well, this there's more in here than we thought, actually, when you sort of delve into it. So I bet we could have, although yeah. our attention spans are small enough that maybe four minutes is right for us. <laughs> Probably. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Since completing your podcast, has there been another movie that has similarly inspired you that you have thought about doing a minute by minute or chunk of minutes at a time podcast? Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on, Yuri. No, um, and and it's funny because we did we have taught we have had this conversation before. What movie should we do next? And there haven't been any that inspired this level of mad love i have to say i think it's because of the way the studio system works because this movie gestated for what 17 years or something right yeah yeah so that's part of the reason why you know famously i'm gonna gonna compare george miller to james joyce for a second give me a give me a moment here um (laughs) we'll get mark to make him listen to this podcast this episode of the podcast george i'm talking to you buddy um james joyce famously said ulysses took me what 21 years to write it should take you 21 years to read um the numbers wrong with the quotes right and uh, I feel that way about this film that very rarely in, in L.A. or in the, in the Hollywood movie system do you get more than 18 months to maybe three years to gestate a film, mm. to really have it actively being cooked and baked and, and, and filled out and fleshed out. 
And I think that, that Fury Road specifically is very rare in this, because not only is it a long gestating project, it's coming on the heels of working out the kinks for three full films. It's just a unicorn, in my opinion, in Hollywood. So there's other movies we could do, but I don't know that they would stand up to the same level of thought and scrutiny and detail. Agreed. I know that you joked around saying Aquaman, but it would be a little funny. I'm not joking, Nick. I'm not joking. <laughs> okay, well, it would be funny to hear you guys talk about a Jason Momoa movie, considering that Jason Momoa is Zoe Kravitz's stepdad. Yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Here's the thing. Well done. Zoe Kravitz. Let's revisit Zoe Kravitz. Let me just take uh, a I second. God damn it. I can't no. believe you opened this wound. <laughs> Julia, it was cold that day. It was cold every day. <laughs> I have a lot to say about this, obviously, but she's, of the, the women in the film, including, I would say, maybe even Charlize Theron, she has had a massive career upswing since mm -hmm. Mad Max Fury Road. She is the wife to take off, it seems, and I don't fucking get it. Sorry for cursing. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get what happened. Why did the other, why didn't Toast the Knowing Go get a career? Riley Keough seems pretty great. Right. Well, Riley Keough has worked a lot. But then. not like but. Zoe Kravitz. She's on covers of magazines. This bland, sorry, she's bland. Well, have you seen her in anything since then? I refuse. There's, okay. there's shows I want to watch that she's in I refuse to watch. Yeah, I have no interest in following her career. Isn't she in Pretty Little Liars? Yes. I don't know. Yes, Maybe. she is. Yes, she is in yeah. that. Okay. I know what she's in because I have a problem. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I refuse to watch it. Yeah, I don't you still it. have to see Dope. The Mad Max Minute Instagram account follows all of the wives. And, I mean, they all seem Excellent. to be having pretty good times. I know uh, Rosie Huntington-Whiteley is running around being Jason Statham's baby mama. They're married. That's cool. It's not. It's oh, not. I as did not know that. Yeah. Cool. Good. Good for Rosie Huntington and Whiteley. Married Jason I'm, Statham. I'm. I'm. I'm Gatham for Statham. So I'm. I'm disappointed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've after never heard that. you've never heard that. No, it's good. But yeah, after having a fake movie baby and having it not go well, she had a real life baby and it went very well. And right. Better than the other way around. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Courtney Eaton and Riley Keough had been living yeah. their best lives on Instagram, posting fun vacation yeah. pictures and things like that. Zoe Kravitz does a ton of work, just a ridiculous amount of things. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, did I, who did I not mention? Riley. Oh, Abby Lee. She's doing modeling right. still. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like crazy. But that was, that was crazy, her thing crazy, all along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like to see Riley Keough do more acting. In fact, I'm going to go out and see what she's done. Because that was not a randomly pulled uh, choice. I think she's phenomenal and mm -hmm. Me too. I think really, she's really beautiful. And we didn't get a chance to talk about it during the movie, Rick. But I would like to bring it up when we review the wives and their arcs. She also does good eye acting. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. You guys cover a lot of eye acting on your podcast? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes in a serious manner, sometimes in a comedic manner. Like when we had a couple of our friends here in the studio, we were talking about the scenes where Max is fighting the Doof Warrior on the Doof Wagon. And some of his expressions, Tom Hardy, just the eyes yeah. that he makes. Have oh, been, yeah. He's, he's good hilarious. at eyes. He's good at eyes and he's good at grunt acting. Oh, yeah. He is a grunter like no one else. He can communicate volumes. As a matter of fact, uh, in his, the show Taboo, which I, I will call his show because he he was in charge of so much of it. He was a, a producer on it. Yeah. But um, which I which I loved, by the way. Um, somebody cut together a, a a grunt, just cut all the grunts together from from that show, and and he's just really good at it. It's like great. it's they they communicate Expressive. volumes. He doesn't need words. This guy, he's just too good. He's too good for words. 
Yeah, we watched Taboo, uh, I think because it was Tom Hardy. Yeah, sure. yeah. We did find it weird that his dad was a writer on that show, and it was all about the main character, like, wanting to sleep with his biological sister, was it? Or was it a stepsister? Yep. I don't biological. remember. I believe it was biological. But it's just weird, you know, because the show is called Taboo, so they got to have Taboo yeah. stuff in it. But right. that's All joking whole other aside, can, can we talk about Aquaman for a second? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I actually haven't seen Aquaman yet, which I, I enjoyed a little bad about. Let me... Let me cue you up here on this, Rick. Uh, you can cut this out, but I just need to, I need to get it off my chest because I, I didn't realize until we started talking about it. It's kind, of, it's kind of a joke answer, but I'm also realizing I'm pretty serious about it because so Mad Max is what you get. Fury Road specifically is what you get when you have all of the best ideas and they're curated and they're organized and they're laid out and inserted in exactly the right way and the right special effects are done. Great. Aquaman's what you get if you have literally... 10 billion ideas crammed in a blender and you said well we don't have time to sort them out let's put them all on screen in a random order that movie is brimming with ideas it is there's so many ideas in aquaman they don't necessarily connect or relate in any definable way that makes sense to you but if you want to just see a cacophony of crazy ideas i'm all into it man there you go go see it <laughs> you're starting from the point where Django fett and dr chase meridian from Batman forever because uh -huh. that is the role that I think of when I think of you know, Nicole Kidman. Like sure, they get together sure. and have Jason Momoa, which Not technically it technically makes Aquaman stepbrothers with Boba Fett when you think about it. Wow, oh, too I hard. like that. You also have uh, Willem Dafoe with a top knot, you guys. Yeah. yeah, Willem Dafoe has a top knot and can swim ultra fast underwater and and twirls and, a trident and and uh, almost an arbitrary scene that really makes me think that James this it was this was James Wan's sort of backdoor Call of Cthulhu, uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, sort of a backdoor Call of Cthulhu pilot. He's like, no, guys, this is the movie I really want to make. Look, I'm going to show you I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Go see it. Also, Julie Andrews is the voice of a sea monster, you guys. Yeah. What Wait, are you seriously? doing not watching this? Yes, why are you no not idea. watching this movie? Yeah. Julie Andrews is the voice of a sea Dolph monster. Lundgren. Dolph, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. Oh, okay, so many, is Dolph so Lundgren reasons. the voice of a dolphin? No. Oh, that would have been too good. <laughs> too Missed <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> Missed opportunity. James I just banged the desk. Missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back to Mad Max. I'm so sorry. You know what? I actually want to do a quick lore question with you guys. Throw it by you. Who do you think is the first history man? I believe we had this conversation before. Did we not read it in the comics? Is it not in or there? was it? Or did, did was it coming in the comics or a conversation with a guest once? Now keep in mind, I haven't listened to all of the guest episodes. No, 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 no. Yeah, okay. We don't remember these things. I think it's in the comics. Now, yeah, um, it is the, the first uh, sort of communicator, uh, 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 chronicler of of history. Unless you're saying, you know, is it a character from the movie that we've met? Is it the the feral kid grown up? Is it which it couldn't really be if you're if you're d d tracking timelines and all that. I was I, that was a theory of mine, and somebody corrected me. They're like, yeah, but that wouldn't be that doesn't track. Um, uh, I have a clear I mean, answer for this. I have an yeah, opinion. Yeah, which is go this. with your opinion. Yeah, which is this. Is that is that we we meet the, I don't know her name in the film or character name, but the teacher with the, all the tattoos all over her body. Yeah, um, Miss Kitty. Miss Kitty. Kitty. Yeah, Miss Kitty. right, Miss Kitty. 
Um, I, I think that there is a tradition amongst the intellectuals and, and academics in the society that you preserve history because paper becomes at a premium, obviously. So human skin becomes the way to preserve history. And the first history man, I think, is the first person to start tattooing his body with the history of the world so they didn't lose it. And so I think he's not around the film, certainly. I don't know if he's a progenitor of a whole group of people that do this or if it's simply one man who did it. He's the only history man. He's now dead or whatever. But I think that that is the character we're talking about. And then Miss Giddy carried on the tradition. I think Miss Giddy is was, in that tradition, yeah. She was, yeah. okay, yep. And then when you get into the comic book, after Miss Giddy, you have another history man who's all tatted up, uh, which Mark Sexton was helpful enough to point out that that history man in the comic was modeled specifically after Nicola Thoris. Cool. Oh, which wow. was pretty awesome. Yeah. I think the first history man is the unseen George Miller director cameo. Tell me more about everything you're saying. Please. Like, <laughs> like, we know that there are directors who like to put themselves into movies. George Miller right. is not one of those directors. But if right. he were to be put into a Mad Max film, he would have to be, in my opinion, the first history man. Oh, here's my only pushback to that idea. I think that the the quote that they, they show here is both, uh, no offense to any of the writers, I think it is, it is uh, intentionally florid and i think it is intentionally um boldly metaphorical mm-hmm. and i don't think that george miller is either of those things as a director or a, cons- or a creator so i would push back that it's not his style it being too on the nose and a little too florid for his tastes has anybody uh, checked uh, if this is a real quote or similar to a real is. quote uh, we don't we don't do research uh, <laughs> yeah although we we have been informed i think and that did come up in conversation with the guest and it was it was created for this. I don't know if it was inspired by another quote. That's true. But it does not exist in the world before this movie. In in the real in our world. Everything I've read about it just says it's a George Miller quote from this movie. Okay. I wish George Miller would do uh, more on screen director, you know, Hitchcock and director cameras because he's a handsome man. He's a good and, looking uh, guy, and f- especially for his age. Yeah. Hi, George. Hi, George. You're I just I just put that in there in case you were no, I know. No, I, I think it's a cool it's a cool theory. To me, it, it reeks of of childhood wonder and sort of a youthful thought process about spirituality in this wasteland. And I, I just it doesn't sound like George Miller to me. It sounds like a character that was constructed. Mm-hmm. And as far as the movie specifically is concerned, it's obviously referring to Max at the end of this movie because Max is out there in search of his better self. And he's wondering where does he have to go because the Citadel is not the place that he should go in search of his better self. So somewhere out there in the wasteland is the place that he needs to go. And I'm hoping against hope that somewhere out there, there exists an office that is still open. And inside there is a psychiatrist with an empty couch so that Max can go lie down and finally work through his trauma instead of just running away from it. Yeah, I think you nailed it, man. I think that the answer is in the text and in the film, which is the answer to where they should be is where they started. The answer is home, right? And the answer to where you know, where his better self, where he has to go, it's he has to at some point, and he starts to at the end of this film, which is beautiful. It's the it's where a normal first act would leave off in the film in a way. Like he has a moment of realization that there's something beyond him. There's something that he can do for other people. And I think that the answer to where must he go in search of his better self, well, the answer is inside of himself, right? And yeah. he hasn't realized that yet. He's going to keep going physically other places instead. Okay. Something just 
came into my head. I saw it happen. Yeah. It was beautiful. We saw yeah. it. All right. Now, Hollywood loves trilogies. So I'm not going to say that the next movie should be this, but possibly the third movie in the Tom Hardy Mad Max trilogy, because in this magical fairyland that I've invented in my head, George Miller has time to do that, aside sure. from the other projects that he's working on. But have the second movie be some sort of smaller scale adventure, but have the third movie Max going back to all of the bombed out and ruined places that we saw in the first movie. Mm, mm -hmm. Have like the opening scene being him finding the burned out remains of the truck that he shackled Johnny the boy to have him go back to May Swayze's farm, going to the spot where Jesse died, like going back mm -hmm. to the, the beginning the MFP and finding people in that city he used to occupy and deciding to help them not out of coercion or out of a situation where he has no choice but to help them, but actually getting to that point where he's like, you know what, I'm going to do this because I need my own redemption. I need my Furiosa moment where I do mm -hmm. something that betters humanity and what better place to do it than in the bombed out wreckage of the city where I lost everything. And through and through the the goal though of understanding himself, not I mean, yeah. pure th philanthropy is not a not a max quality, and never will be. And I think it's unrealistic to sort of give him that or to have him mm -hmm. learn that. But I do think that in the idea of of philanthropy via selfishness is an interesting idea of like I'm doing this and it happens to get rid of my nightmares. People. Yeah, yeah, but it's to stop the nightmares. Yeah, it's to, yeah, it's to it's to come to terms with what I am fundamentally as an animal on this planet to exercise the demons. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, here's to more movies. I hope that happens. Right. You would think that, uh, didn't it, uh, Mad Max Fury Road just got named uh, by, what was it, the Film Critics Association? Yeah. Was, yeah. was it uh, one of the greatest films of all time? Yeah. <laughs> Something like, I yeah. mean, literally everybody came to the same conclusion that we all did, which is, it's truly well, it's one of the greatest films now. of all time. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> well, they just got around to naming Citizen Kane, too, so it's fine. They take time with these sorts of things. I'm just glad that it didn't have to go up against Green Book at the Oscars. That would have been, what, a, what a colossal, what a colossal travesty that would have been. Oh, I mean, I don't want to go around just calling things Oscar bait, but it kind of helped that Green Book came out tied to the end of a stick dangled in front of the metaphorical horse. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not, uh, it's not the right thing. Yeah, um, my mom loved it though. But but I but I but I loved yesterday. I, I, I saw yesterday and I loved it, and that was. It's, it's, it's clearly uh, asking for sort of the same type of, of accolades, but in, in a much better way. <laughs> now, if you had to spitball or imagine your ideal Mad Max movie to follow up Fury Road, not to be a prequel or anything, but to follow mm -hmm. Max's story forward, do you have any ideas or visions of that? That's hard, because I always imagined that that next movie would be a Furiosa movie. I think we all, we, we all were sort of led to believe that, but... But I don't think it, I mean, if the next film was just a purely Furiosa film, it wouldn't be a Mad Max film anymore. It'd be in that world, but it has to be about his journey. It has to be about his continuing journey to, to exercise, to, to make everything better in his head again. I like, uh, I like where you were going with that. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think fundamentally but, it should be, I'm sorry. Go. No, 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 uh, go. I think yeah. fundamentally it, it, it's really hard. I think to pitch a Mad Max film that's done properly because it's not a pitchable thing. There's a reason these things are storyboarded. There's a reason they exist in visual language and not in verbal language on a pitch thing. Cause if you pitch Mad Max fear roads plot to someone, they think you're insane. Like, like yeah. that's one of your favorite films. Right. Yeah. Yeah. These guys go and then they come back and it's cool. Like it's right. super, yeah, right, cool. right, it's super right, great. Movie. Right. 
you know, it's really hard to pitch verbally, but that's what makes it so wonderful and rich. And I think that I would, I would pitch something for me. I think I haven't thought about this till now, but I would think, I, I think I would deepen the, the, what, what apocalypse means today versus what it meant when Mad Max started as a theory, the idea of rationing of water, you know, the inevitable sort of desertification of, of the world. What is what does apocalypse mean to us today? What metaphors can be ring rung from from that? And then having Max uh, get chased through that and sort of get somewhere. I mean, I think that's a fine place to start for me. And I think the details would sort of enrich themselves as you develop the brainstorming process for that. But it's really hard to think of like a narrative plot for that because all of them would yeah. fall short, in my opinion. Yeah, I have to wonder: Would Mad Max be the same style of movie if he went somewhere that wasn't? reddish brown like underwater like with willem (laughs) dafoe maybe not underwater but maybe take an idea from the avalanche video game and put him out in the dried up ocean like there are vast spaces in the video game where you're driving through (laughs) bleached dried out Mm -hmm. chunks of coral and the settlements are inside of giant ships that are just left on the ocean floor yeah, that's cool. Right. That'd be fun. I bet you're onto something there in terms of a set piece, at least, or something they could do yeah. in that new one. Because um, we were talking when Furiosa was talking about, oh, we can make it 160 days. And we were talking about, okay, well, if you go seven miles a day for 160 days, you can get to mainland Asia from Alice Springs, which is arguably right. the center of Australia. Mm-hmm. I know it's not the exact geographic center of Australia, but whatever. <laughs> Right. Yeah. You and I really are detail-oriented guys, so <laughs> we, we, we care about those things. Go on. But I don't know, is the setting that we saw in Road Warrior, is the setting that we saw in Beyond Thunder Nova and Fury Road, is it that linked to the Mad Max style that you could not pull him out of that somehow? I'd love like, to see it tried. I'd, could I'd, he go I'd, to somewhere like Vietnam? Yeah. I worry about it becoming... Uh, Rambo or something in terms of like on the nose metaphors about about conflicts. So I I like that there's a vagueness to the metaphor that that invites invites you meeting it halfway. Mm-hmm. You know metaphors that are too clear don't meet you halfway because they they've, they've already gone ninety percent of the way. You have to like just understand it. And I like the sort of intentional obfuscation of of the thing when it, ultimately it's just a story about a guy. And sure you can you can project all the stuff onto it. Maybe it's there, maybe it's not. But that's art that makes you work is better art in my opinion. But, so but, I would but say, could you, but could you imagine it in a different setting? Well, what, what I mean is, I, I, I physically think, a different. I mean, without without saying this country, that country, whatever, or this. Well, the seabed, I think, is a wonderful idea. Yeah. I mean, it's a wonderful sequence. I, I, but I would see that as almost tertiary to the the pitch of the film. Like I, I think it would just come after what is going on with Max first and foremost. And then what is what is what is death of the world and apocalypse mean on a global scale to us as people fundamentally as a, as a society? And then like locations feel like they're they fill in just like the back the background noise mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. One of the hallmarks of this movie is the visuals and how saturated and overwhelming and almost emotional they are. That's George Miller. That's Margaret Sixel. They are taking what they have and making it fantastic. And they could do the same thing in any post-apocalyptic setting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think visually it's going to be stunning regardless. I mean, Yuri and I watched the trailer for Mad Max again before we started recording. Tears. Just to fire us Just up. like, 
Boners and Tears over here. <laughs> <laughs> Boners and Tears is the name of our next podcast. <laughs> Starring Yuri and Travis. What a, what a, it'll, it'll be our, grind, our new Grinder podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's funny. We, I, I've talked, I've, I had a conversation uh, recently with uh, one of our previous guests, uh, Joe Lynch, about the, the two, the, the, the color version and, and the black and chrome version. And it's an easy choice for me. I, you know, I really enjoyed the black and chrome version. It had a different feel. I felt different emotions when I was watching it. But I would choose that oversaturated, super amazing thing that he did in Fury Road over, you know, even what George Miller says was his original idea and was a purist, you know, whatever. There's only one choice for me. Yeah. Part of the, the visual language of the film is it tells you, without ever having to say it, that, oh, we're in mythic, iconic territory here. Like, when Gandalf rides down this, uh, you know, in, at the end of Battle of Helm's Deep on his horse, you know, to, to, with the lightning coming out of his staff, basically, this massive light, you're like, oh, we're in iconic myth territory, if you didn't know it from the dragons and stuff. But, like, this, this, the visual language of the film, I think, is really important, because it lets you know we're in a heightened reality here. Like, we're in grounded, fucking gritty territory, but also, these colors almost don't exist in nature in certain ways. And this is, this is a myth. This is bold, big, larger-than-life storytelling. And that language is important to me, because it's not the language of the first Mad Max, in my opinion. No. I think it's a different no. visual language. It yeah. says something different about where we are and what we're doing in a story. Yeah, agreed. Yuri agrees with that. I agreed. Might, might make a note that Yuri agreed with me. For once. Yes. <laughs> well, it's on public record now. Exactly. Damn you guys it. recorded. The, are we recording this? <laughs> Not yet. No. Okay. Oh, we should probably hit that record button. Oh, right, 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 right. All right, start over. Start over. Hold on. <laughs> Welcome oh. to the Mad Max. <laughs> Aside from the obvious answer of having Mad Max crossover with Aquaman, is there a series <laughs> that you would like to see Max stumble his way into? I know that we joked around a lot on this podcast about, oh, yeah, Max just has to go to New Zealand and he'll find Lord of the Rings or he just has to right. go such and such a place and wizards are real like Harry Potter. Like, sure. Is there anything that stands out to you two that you'd like to see overlap? Maybe not in a serious way, but maybe just in a fun. Let's see what yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like to see him fight Creed. That'd be kind of a cool thing. Their fight <laughs> styles would be pretty different. Um, I almost, I almost feel like for me that the isolation of Max is so part of the character that I, I could watch a movie with just Matt, Max. Like I really could fundamentally watch that and be like, like Castaway. Like maybe it's Max and a volleyball. Like that's what I'm pitching. That'd be cool. Or, or Max and and Batman because they're they're both such similarly minded. Like you know, deep, dark, troubled guys. They would just, mm. they just have a. You know, they'd be just constantly be trying to outgrim each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Outgrunt each other. Outgrunt each other. It would have a very different feel, but the idea of having Max all by himself kind of reminds me of Tom Hardy's movie Locke from 2013, where oh, it's yeah. just him in the yeah. car. Yeah, which was which is That's delicious. Right. I, I love that movie. It's definitely on our list. With 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 Creed in the back seat. Yeah, <laughs> working out doing crunches. <laughs> right. Max is working as an Uber driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's great. laughs> we can oh, call man. him Moober for the Stuber. That'd be good. So, um, yeah. did so you hear, I'm sure you guys covered this on your podcast, but just in reference to something you were saying earlier, uh, uh, Chris Nolan had two movies cast Tom Hardy for his eyes. Like he's a yeah. great, a great eye. Yeah. Go back to your eye acting point that yeah. in the as the pilot in um, in Dunkirk. Dunkirk. 
and then obviously Bane. But right. more specifically, he's like, yeah, we need a guy who's we can just see the top half of his face, and it, it right. doesn't have any lines really. And Strawberries are packed with fiber. <laughs> you can only see my eyes. It's enough. That a Tom Hardy it's, Metamucil it's, commercial. It's, it's, <laughs> what was that? Metamucil. Keeps you regular. Regular. Don't live your bowels in the shadows. <laughs> uh, what about yeah. you guys? Do you have an answer to that that you've sort of cracked mm -hmm. on your own? This is going to sound bad, but bear with me for a second. I can't wait. I would like to see Mad Max crossover with not this specifically, but like the idea of it. Mortal Engines. Now, hold on. Okay. In Mortal Engines, the whole idea is that you've got a rolling city. Mm -hmm. I would like to see Max discover a rolling city sort of place. That doesn't uh, seem weird at all. That seems no. totally, seems fine totally in line with it. Okay. No, I'm, I'm with your pitch. I don't think it's weird. Yeah, you, I, we're just nodding. We don't, you don't have to even stop us. You don't have to say stop. Don't, don't yell at me because we're not yelling. We're agreeing with you. We think that seems like a fine idea. Mortal I, Engines did not do great at the box office, probably because they tried to cram too many things into too, too small of a canister. Mm -hmm. But having Max either come across a caravan or have a caravan come across him, mm -hmm. I think would be a good kickoff to another Mad Max movie. Because he always seems to be stumbling upon or going towards these settlements that have their own rules. And he's got to either try to conform with, to those rules or buck against those rules. And we've yet to see a group of people that live their life nomadically in roughly the same way that Max does. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I do wonder, as, as we're talking about sequels and things, which, you know, obviously if we were better podcast hosts, we'd have had this conversation already or thought about it, which I have not done. Um, but part of the joy of the movie for me is just the explosion of world building. This is, this is like I was saying earlier, basically an act one of a thing where you've set up your world, you set up your conflict and, and here we go. But the the arms race of different sort of Darwin's Finch's, you know, evolution going on in this world is so mesmerizing and so interesting. And another movie could do it with a wholly different group of tribes and different groups of people, but it would feel derivative, I think, in that way. And so you've, they've done the thing in this world that I think for me personally is a thing I really love about storytelling and about world building. That I, I wonder if the insertion, the unwelcome insertion of plot into the equation would really you know, get me, you know, frustrated or maybe make mm -hmm. me enjoy it less. Possible. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry I've to got, say I've, that. I've got another one. Um, uh, Max and Deadpool have to team up. Oh. Because they're, they're so it's just so temperamentally and character, character wise are, he, Deadpool would drive Mad Max mad. He would, he would. That's funny. A buddy, a buddy uh, road, road movie. Buddy road movie. With Deadpool, Deadpool and Mad Max. That mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense because you can't kill Deadpool. So who's going to survive the apocalypse? Deadpool. Yeah. Oh, well see? done. Well, oh, Julia, you just made it all work. Well and, done. And you know, Max would try to run over Deadpool or throw him off a building. He or... would try to kill him. Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. A guy who talked his ear off and he couldn't kill. That's like yeah. the great. The, 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 right, the, the talker versus the grunter. Yeah. Good. Good. So that's how the original Deadpool got his mouth sewn shut. <laughs> <laughs> Max did. He ran into Max, Rocket Hands. That's, that's uh -huh. right. Yep, yep. We don't talk about X Men Origins Wolverine in this house. I'm in sorry. this house, you're just losing. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry no. that you're just learning that rule, but. Do we talk about Logan in now. this house? Yeah. 
Logan rules. Yep. I think we should talk about Logan. Yeah, I because, love Logan. Because there, I'm not sure if this is canon or if this is kind of Mad Max Minute canon now, because it's, sometimes it's hard to differentiate that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I have this idea in my head of Mel Gibson returning and... Not anymore. He's just too old now. But returning to play an older Mad Max, a la Logan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I a, like this. A Max that has lived his entire life, who has never dealt with his issues, who is who has one last chance to find peace, to find <laughs> something. Much like Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys see yeah. Drive Across Concrete? Holy crap. <laughs> Were you really as, as, as offended as, as no, I just I felt it. like, oh, okay, yeah, no, 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 me too. I liked it. Because I know a lot of people were offended, and then I saw it, and I'm like, I don't... Well, it's just, supposed to be offensive. Yeah. It, Sorry, we haven't right. seen it, but I do have a copy of it sitting in my download folder. Okay, yeah. clear yeah. off four hours of your day, because, man, <laughs> it's a long movie, yeah. and just buckle up for a weird movie that people hate that I thought was was gross and cool. Yeah. It's gross. I mean, don't get that movie is a gross, racist mess. And I, I kind of like it. Not because I'm racist, but because I like seeing... how I, I like it the way I like Boondock Saints, which is like, boy, that's a disaster of a person. Um, oh my gosh. But there's something about that singular vision on screen that I find interesting. Yeah. Speaking of Boondock Saints, as soon as you mentioned Willem Dafoe in Aquaman, I can just mm-hmm. picture in my head the image of Willem Dafoe on a beach somewhere saying, there was a there trident was a- fight! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes, right. yes. Well, so many good crossover pitches in this episode. I know. I wonder, just on Logan for a second, I mean, Logan, I am I am annoyed that Logan wasn't the last superhero movie of all time. I'm annoyed <laughs> that it didn't kill the genre. It should have killed the genre. I think it set out I to agree. kill the genre. It should have killed the genre. It, and I think it did, and we just didn't recognize it. No, but well, didn't nobody, yeah, nobody, just people kept going anyway because there was still money in it. But yeah, it certainly exactly. should have killed the X Men genre. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think all of superheroes in a done. way it was a shot across the bow of the superhero idea. So the idea of a ma- of a older Max coming back and looking at the idea of moral Earth and personal apocalypse is super cool. It's super interesting, I think. And uh, Nicholas, Nicholas Holt exists in both universes. He exists mm-hmm. in the X-Men universe mm-hmm. and in the, the Fury Road universe. True story. It would have forced us to return to, I think, return to the beginning. The, the original Mad Max wasn't this action-packed, fire and death everywhere sort of movie. It was more personal. Mm-hmm. And bringing in an older Mel Gibson, he wouldn't have been able to do the same things that Tom Hardy can do. They would have had to make a movie that was a little bit more low-key in the action department. Some people are more themselves as artists when they're younger, and some people, I think, the more they have more experience and larger budgets, they're able to say more of what they want and be more who they are. Like, Brett Easton Ellis, I think, his, his truest expression of himself was probably when he was 22 years old. Like, I think he's been a shell of that ever since in certain ways. But I think George Miller is really refining the thing he fundamentally wants to say and the experience he wants to provide to people um, as he gets older. So I, I, I expect whatever form it takes, that if there is another Mad Max, I, I have to think it'll be continue to be better and better. I just trust that process. Now, now, that, now that we've brought it up, I, I would love for Tom Hardy and George Miller to take like a week and shoot a Mad Max version like Locke with just Max in his car for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that all, all of a sudden, that's I, 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 like just as a as a as a sort of like a bridge movie between the last movie and whatever the next thing is, mm-hmm. just as like a little one off. 
Yeah, and maybe the only person, oh, the person in the movie who dies is Zoe Kravitz, and it could be a great, like, <laughs> there'd be a great, like, full circle. It'd be wonderful. Would there be a full circle? Yeah, I'd feel, I'd feel yeah. completed. And they, and they would, she'd be standing on a sign that says guzzoline, and Max would lean outside <laughs> of the window and blow it up with a bomb and just keep driving. And that's the plot of the film. The end. Uh, I love and, the idea of a Max, just Max movie or short or anything most of his life has been spent alone and we just kind of duck in when something interesting happens to him yeah but there's something to be done there most for of sure his yeah. time is spent alone no i i'm with, with you I'm, i legitimately am pitching that and, as a real and, idea and and the, the the ghosts of the people from his past would occasionally show up in the back seat to talk to him nux would show up and i'm like yes you know they would all they would all be there because they're all in his head I mean, arguably, all of these characters are in his head, you know, from a certain perspective. And Fury Road has shown us that he does hallucinate. and he He's haunted, is, yeah. You know, he's got a certain level of psychosis going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who would you most like to see come back as a ghost to torment Max? Are you kidding? That's the dumbest question ever. Okay. Jesse! <laughs> Jesse is the obvious... Yes. <laughs> Can I ask okay. a question? You guys are... Are you guys a couple... <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I really felt like I got a sense into what your home life might be like. And I, and I love it. I yeah. love it so much. Julia and I kind of have what you two have, except there's less high-fiving. <laughs> Can I suggest Maybe that we need you to introduce it? Can I suggest more high-fiving? High-fiving is really... If we, were, if we weren't tied together via headphones right now, we would high-five, but I can't imagine it would work We're out. already cheek-to-cheek, -cheek and it would be... And possibly dangerous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I could think of some people. Uh, the helicopter pilot would be cool. That guy's cool. Yes. Mm -hmm. Into that guy. Oh, which, 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 which version? Which version? Um, him from uh, from Thunderdome or him from Road Warrior? No, him from Thunderdome. And, uh, uh, and then also the blind saxophone uh, person. Player. player. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I was wondering who was going to pick up. Uh, um, bring him up first. You or me. Yeah. yeah I, had, I had him on tap for a second and then <laughs> lost it. Yeah. Who else? Um, do these people have to be dead? Oh, good no, question. No, no. Or can no, they still be so. alive? And they just his own personal ghosts. Right. Still alive. Yeah. I would definitely love to see Goose come back. But mm -hmm. like have it be you remember in I think it's American Werewolf in London where his buddy comes back and oh, he's yeah. all like scarred as up. Like bring Riff back Goose Riff as a yeah. it would have to be the hospital goose that Max could not look yeah. at. Yeah. Like yeah, the cool. the beef jerky goose. Beef, beef yeah. Which applies to two different movies, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> One goose is objectively better than the other. I'm sorry, Top Gun. Uh, Anthony Edwards is pretty great. But yeah, I, but Miracle he's no Mile. Steve Bisley. <laughs> yeah, I left off the second half of that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Edwards is pretty great, dot, 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 rarely. Uh, who, who else? This is That's a good game. People we missed from previous. So first movie, obviously, Jesse and Goose. Mm-hmm. Nobody I think, cares about Sprague. Yeah, well, Sprague barely contributed to the first yeah, movie yeah. in the first place. The most extreme thing he did was play with a loaded gun in the middle of the living room. <laughs> and get over. I'd I'd love to see the the feral kid from Road Warrior, but with like a fully advanced vocabulary. So like the grown he's, up he's, feral kid. Yeah, but 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 he's 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 grown up in, but but the the form of him is still the the feral kid, but he can communicate. Yes. Yes. Oh, is the is the guy at the end of um, Thunderdome? Is that anything to do with the History Man? 
Sorry, I'm going back to the beginning of the podcast. Where they're all in the they're all in the building in the blown yeah. out building with is the that kids connected the... in any way? Oh, oh, like Savannah because they're yeah. teaching they're they're teaching the class. Yeah, it's like part of my brain's been working on that the whole time. Sorry, mm-hmm. and she was telling stories. Yeah. Well, there's that's a different kind of no. History I'm gonna say no because they practice an oral tradition and right. the history men and women of more of the citadel part of the continent, mm. practice a tattooing tradition. Yeah. Right. At some point it mutated or... You think it's totally... You think it one changed into the other, a la uh, Plato? Uh, or do you think no. it, it is a different track? I think different track. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think it would be interesting to reincorporate the tribe who left Savannah's group. I know we joked a couple of times during the regular season about... Max being buried in sand and then Savannah walks up again because she had to leave the the city or something like that. But according to Mark Sexton, specifically, Mm -hmm. the tribe that left are still in Sydney. They just happen to be living alongside the buzzards. Uh Because the buzzards also live in Sydney. They just live underneath it. Right. In an old bombed out mall. Can you guys, can someone who's listening cut out everything Mark Sexton has ever said from any podcast he's been on? (laughs) And right. just string it together and transcribe it and publish it as a book that's like a history of Mad Max. Because I feel like he has all the answers. He just doles them out sparingly. Mm-hmm. Some sort of stingy wizard. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little Mark miffed. Mark Sexton, stingy wizard. Yeah, I'm a little miffed that there is info from Mark Sexton on the IMDP page of the next Mad Max movie. And he never mentioned anything about it to us. He's, he, look, he's a, he's a weird occult wizard who is, is just <laughs> holding or, back or, things from us mortals. And I hate it. Or he's about to call us after he listens to this to say that, uh, all that is a uh, bullshit and that he, none of those things can be attributed bullshit. to him. Yeah. Either that, or he's going to call us to let us know that Warner brother assassins are coming to track us. <laughs> <down>. <laughs> right, we've, right. You delete we've, that episode We've, we've right broken some into some Steven serious is NDAs. already dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the time you hear this podcast, the four of us will be dead. That's great. Oh, what if we are dead when this comes? That'd uh, be really sad. If Yuri and I are dead when you guys hear this, we'll play some nice memorial music at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, we can't because we'd be dead too. Like I said, we're recording this in June. Yeah, that's right. why you gotta get it edited and in the can and posted to drop in December. Yeah, do that in case we die. This is like the Blair Witch that's Project. That's why we have to get the, all the editing done before we go on later. vacation in August. Found footage podcast is funny. That's too much. That's too much. Too much, too much. Either way, here at the end of this episode, is there anything that you would like our listeners to go check out that you've been working on or that is just out there that they can listen to, aside from the You Are Awaited podcast? Um, yeah. Uh, I have another podcast called Does Your Favorite yes. Movie Suck? Question mark. Does Your Favorite Movie Suck? Here he's been a guest on that before and probably will be again at some point. It's great if you like movies. It's revisiting uh, classic films from the 80s and 90s that actually might suck. It's great. And it turns out some of them do. But not all of them. Not all of them. Some are actually wonderful. Oh, George Miller does... Yuri's on the episode where we reviewed George Miller's um, uh, Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the four in that, in that right. movie. Right. And that's a very good episode if you want to start there somewhere. Other than that, I don't think so. Um, um, if you guys haven't seen the episode of Electric Dream, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams that I co-wrote, maybe check that out. Mm-hmm. And um, if you can, uh, if you can find it, it was it was much more exciting watching it live. But uh, Orbital Redux, 
was a show that I did for Geek and Sundry uh, last year, end of last year. It's a, um, it, it was live streamed sci-fi nice. where every, everything was done live. The visual effects, the, the music, all the editing, everything performed start to finish, you know, 20 minute episodes, all streamed live. Nice. That sounds mm-hmm. very cool. And Yuri, I think you were also in a little indie video game called Spider-Man. Called Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. yeah. If you haven't bought Spider-Man yet, go buy Spider-Man. <laughs> um, yes, it was. Uh, that was that is truly one of my proudest moments. I like to think that you being Spider-Man was one of the reasons that we weren't able to book you guys for Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, go with that. <laughs> it's hard being Spider-Man, you guys. It takes up a lot of time. They did. They did uh, monopolize my time. I will say the fact that Yuri and I haven't put out another podcast uh, is testament to our respective <laughs> business. And by respective, I mean Yuri's busy and I sit at home and wait for him to return my calls. But we're going to put out something else at some point, I'm sure. So yes, we have. Stick around. We we have recorded some episodes of a podcast that we were just we're just looking for a home that'll inspire us to then uh, keep it going. So. Well, if you get around to releasing said episode, just let us know and we'll try and signal boost it any way we can. Thank you. We absolutely will. You guys are great. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. This is super cool. And um, I'm excited uh, for the impending close of your journey, but also sad for you. I I think uh, in the whole world, we're the two people most closely able to understand the excitement and sorrow and uh, all those wrapped up mix of feelings that you're probably starting to feel. So we uh, from from two hosts to another we applaud you and we understand and uh, we're excited that you, you come to the end of this journey. <laughs> Thank There's you, the applause. There's yeah. the applause. Or that, oh, wait, and, and a high five. Hup. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great having you both. I'm so glad we were able to reconnect after all of this time. Same. And as for our listeners, we are going to be coming back on Monday. There are more credits to watch and for us to completely ignore which means that it is going to be time for us to do our analytic episodes. So come back on Monday to hear us talk a little bit more about the title character of Mad Max Fury Road. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Bautista of DanielBautista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 114 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.